the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and... Um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Yes, that was an Apache Indian war cry there. That's what that was, John. John is asking, was that was that an Apache cry? Was that Navajo? Was that, uh, you know, a Cherokee? Was that, you know, that was an Apache war. I don't know, really, to tell you the truth, folks. I wish I knew more and more and more about my Indian heritage. I'm I'm uh, learning. Every year I pick up a few new truths. I've got a connection with some folks that they're on the reservation in New Mexico and, you know, with others, Native Americans across the country, even right here in San Antonio. We've run into some uh, good friends that from time to time that we get to visit with and talk about and learn a little bit more about that part of our uh, our background, our heritage. So expert is yeah, I'm what an expert. No, I say, do you know what an expert is? 
Mm, an expert. Somebody with a briefcase more than 50 miles away from his hometown or something like that, right? Oh, that's, no. <laughs> uh, it's, about, it's a guy that learns more and more about something smaller and smaller that tells him everything about nothing. <laughs> that, that, that sounds like the modern definition for sure. I remember reading an article, I don't guess, I don't know how long ago it was now. The time kind of escapes me, but uh, there's a New York Times article about somebody who, some millionaire, some very rich, rich individual who had spent his uh, much of his fortune and most of his life studying the mating habits of some some mouse, some kind of species of mouse or something. And I thought, wow, what a... <laughs> Mighty, my well, I imagine he was trying to develop a mighty mouse. I don't know, but I wondered at the time what a way, what a way to invest your life. You know, to um, what would you at the end of your life? Okay, let's hear you. Yes, I'm. Pre- I think I'm prepared. But oh, hello, boys and girls. We got a great show for you tonight. That was very good, actually. That was very good. You must have watched a many, many an episode. I liked Mighty Mouse, to be honest with you, when I was a little boy. Uh, I liked all the cartoons. Uh, Here he comes to save the day, right? And his Mighty Mouse on his way. (laughs) This is a Mickey Mouse operation. (laughs) Thank you, John. This is a Mickey Mouse operation. Well, we've pretty well proven it, haven't we, tonight? Uh, welcome, folks, to The Bible Live, the uh, program devoted to, dedicated to, just exploring more and more uh, this book, this old book we call the Bible, 39 books from the Hebrew Scriptures, starting with Genesis all the way through Malachi, and then covering, what, about 13, 1,350 years, I guess, the, the, the history, at least, that, well, of course, if you date back all the way to creation and all it it's greater than that but the active history that it records and so on uh, seems to be around 13 1400 years i suppose and then the new testament about really about what 50 years time from the birth and life of jesus of nazareth and then through about the first oh, 30 to 40 years after his death and resurrection we have um this book that talks about those years, those people, those events, and, of course, it talks about God, the true God, the one true living God, uh, and that's always something interesting. Uh, Jacob, I've always thought this was interesting to ponder, is that the the scriptures talk about the true and living God. And we we have certain names, you know, Jehovah, Yahweh, and so on. But but essentially, what we're continually told that is that the true and living God, the the God who is really there, is the one that we worship. And and, and in a way, it's almost a, I don't know how to say it. It's almost a it, it's it's not a name or or a title. Yes, there's specific content given to God. When we look at the Bible, uh, we're told his attributes, the eternal nature of God. He is holy and righteous. He is a just God, fair in all of his ways. He's omnipresent, omnipotent, uh, omniscient. He knows everything about everything and so on. Uh, Other attributes that we read uh, about the God of Scripture. Uh, But in the end, 
it it says uh, we worship the true and living God, and I'm I kind of wonder that is that considered kind of a a loose a, a loose description, a loose uh, sort of adjective about God. In other words, is it intentionally so that, in other words, we worship the true God? It's almost it's almost a trump. It, it almost it almost beats anything else. If you, it, 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 I did. I did not really mean it, and <laughs> I wasn't meaning in that sense. I am not really that into the political uh, processes right now. Of course, I'm watching them with great interest and praying about them, but I'm not re- referring to that when I use the word there, Trump. It's just this idea that um, that we worship in all around planet Earth today, for example, millions and people, millions of people gather and worship. And how many are worshiping the true and living God? And is it con- well? I don't want to get too stupid here and general and so. But is it possible that <laughs> almost anywhere but here? If not here, where? Yeah. Well, I. I'm, I it doesn't matter really whether I want to get stupid here or not. I probably will. I will probably accomplish it. But the point is, is that uh, is it conceivable that someone could be worshiping in their heart and their mind and seeking the true and living God, but <clears throat> but be attaching a different name uh, just from because of their culture, because oh, of their l- language. Let's put on an armor. I don't even know what I really mean. Uh, it's, may I it's, yeah. <laughs> if I'm digging a hole for myself, you're going to assist me dig the. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do. Allah is a case in point. But there, there Okay, there are other uh, ideas in it, uh, that, I, for example, I've spent a great deal of time in India. Uh, um. No, 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 no. But if you really want to know, their number one God, if you look really close, now Vishnu is up there somewhere. In a God of, in a, is that a song? In a God of the Dina. Remember that old rock song? Okay. Well, it is. John recognizes it, I think. Yeah, yeah, he knows that stuff. Anyway, but if you look closely, the meaning is fantastic because it is the meaning that you use that for the word, almost the word Abraham. Interesting. Yeah. And did you know Genesis says that Abraham sent some of his children went off to what they call the Hebrew, they put the word Hebrew. Hebrew is Hoso, which is I'm glad to hear that. I didn't know you thought that often, but okay. okay. Yeah, well, well, think about Native Americans who roamed these very lands that we live on here in America five or six hundred years ago. Five or six hundred years ago. They didn't have, let, let's just imagine that they did not have a, a great deal of formal 
in, in the world sense, at least, the great religions of the world, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Christianity, Judaism. So they don't have a great deal of that kind of an information, but they they look at nature, they look at creation, the seasons, the sun, the wind, the the, the moon, the stars, the sun, it shines, and, and they worship and seek a young boy out on the, he, or a young lady looks, and they seek and love the God who created this, you know, and, and in a sense, they are worshiping and seeking the true and living God, right? Yes. The, and, and so, in a May way. I give you a verse to back up what you Yes, please. It's Deuteronomy. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Let's get our microphones up. Maybe they're not hearing Jacob. That's probably the. They're not hearing me? I don't know. My my microphone looks like it's speaking really loud, but you said Deuteronomy chapter 4. I'm turning to it right now as we speak. What verse did you say, Jacob? But the important thing is that they are hearing me. That 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 is the important thing, right? Uh, John is working on it. What verse did you say? I've got it right here. Well, actually, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter four, you'll see you said the sun and the moon and the stars. Uh huh. Uh huh. Now I'm not saying you. Okay, look. Okay, I, I've got it. I know where it is. But be very careful. You did not see the Lord's form on the day he spoke to you from the heart of the fire at Mount Sinai. So they're being warned. Uh, Moses warns the people, you did not see the Lord's form. So do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol in any form, whether of a man or a woman, an animal on the ground, a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries along the ground, or a fish in the deepest sea. And when you look, look up into the sky and see the sun, moon, and stars, all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into worshiping them. The Lord your God gave them to all the peoples of the earth. Remember that the Lord rescued you from the iron-smelting furnace of Egypt in, tor- in order to make you his very own people and his special position, possession, which is what you are today. So I get it. They, uh, God gave the the sun and the moon and the stars to all the peoples. To It's one of the means by which he reveals himself well, to people, I, right? I know that's not a very popular verse uh-huh. in Christian churches. I kind of like it. But, well, I know you do because you're But you're saying it's not. One of those verses that we memorize and quote, like John three well, sixteen. Because it seems to say that God gave that to the other nations. But I'm going to suggest something very interesting. Okay. I want to suggest that's the other nations Mount Sinai experience. Oh, okay. Because at the beginning of chapter four, can anybody hear me, John? Can they hear me? We keep talking, and I'm looking at your. I know. I we learned this over the week. I checked on this. The fact is showing up here doesn't mean that they're hearing me out on the air. They're just showing me that it's showing I'm doing it here. Well, I see the needle moving right. and so on. And, and I did call down and I checked on that and they said, yes, it'll show up here, but it's not going out over here. Mm. So well, all we can do is keep talking and let John do his magic. Of course, as you notice, I keep my lips about six, about half an inch away from this microphone. Uh-huh. And I never move away from it, so maybe you could try that, and that well, would. If that's too close to me to get to your lips. <laughs> that, that really w- wasn't what I was proposing anyway, and I hate to use the word proposing there, in that, <clears throat> but that wasn't what I was suggesting. 
Uh, I was saying your microphone. Oh, my microphone. Yeah, put your right up there and speak right directly into it, and maybe the. <laughs> Oh, my land. Speaking of the Bible, (laughs) goodness gracious. Okay, so you're, but there's another wonderful passage, too. Psalm 8 talks about that idea. Well, Psalm 19 is maybe a little bit better. Um, Let me me get Psalm 19 and see what it says. Psalm 19 is one I like a lot because it talks about the idea that the heavens, it said, the heavens above us, they proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, the heavens continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They make God known to us, to humanity. They speak without a sound or a word, but their, and their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete, eager to run the race. And he just goes on to talk about how God has revealed himself to humanity, uh, as you said there in that passage in Deuteronomy, uh, that, that that God, and my my wondering is, could there be people on planet Earth even, and I'm not trying to cause a stir here, and I'm not Go trying to. Ahead, I'm not trying to be anyway, so. <laughs> uh, liberal and all of that sort of thing. I'm trying to be realistic. Uh, there are human beings who, whatever their religious or cultural background, they they they've looked up to the sky, and they're in their heart and their mind, they are they seek and love and desire the true, the living God, the Creator of this world and everything in it. And and that's their heart's desire. Now it may be filtered through the grid of their own terminology, their own uh, vocabulary, the different names, and so on. But in their heart of hearts, they're looking and searching. They want to be in contact with God, the true and living God who is there. And and I and I just I don't think it's too far fetched to imagine that there are probably many who who would fall into that category. And of course that God. Uh, responds to them, loves them. He's not God Himself. Isn't limited limited to our categories and to our terminology and so on. But anyway, um, the the one characteristic I've noticed though, Jacob, through the years, when I go to Mongolia, when I go to India, when we go to Kazakhstan, and you meet people from other culture that cultures and societies that maybe don't know anything, they've not heard anything about. Uh, you know, the, all they know is it's the God of creation in the world. When we talk to them about the true and living God, when we talk to them about uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God's revealing himself to a people and uh, revealing himself through them and bringing forth a Redeemer, a Savior, to carry out a work of redemption so that fallen sinful human beings could be reconciled to the, to God and know him and and so on and so on. When we share the news of the Scriptures, the that that redemptive plan of God revealed in the Scriptures, it's those people, the, those people are the ones who respond. Uh, those who are already seeking God, they're already longing for the true and living God. They're the ones who hear that message and they go, "Wow, that's it! That's what I've been searching for. That's what I've been looking for." Is that uh, you know to have peace and to be reconciled and uh, be made right with the true and living God? And that's of course. The theme, the theme of the scriptures. Well, we, I kind of got off on a little bit of a sidetrack there as we opened the program, but we are focusing tonight 
on the the finishing the book of First Timothy, the letter that Paul wrote, these two letters actually that Paul wrote to this young um, disciple, this young man that he had mentored. That he had uh, Timothy was a young man. He had a Jewish mother, uh, a Greek father. Uh, Paul had uh, mentored him, discipled him. It may have had a, a great influence in leading him to faith in in Jesus in Messiah, and kind of nurtured him in his growth. And now he's a young pastor, and here toward the end of his life, somewhere Paul was uh, executed. Uh, I think by Nero, it's somewhere around 67, 68 uh, uh, BC, uh, AD, the year of our Lord, the first century. This was probably one of the last letters that Paul wrote. So a very interesting uh, opportunity to read from the per, ver, from the books of First and Second Timothy. Uh, here's a guy who had given his life and devoted his life to um broadcasting to proclaiming the message of the scriptures Abraham Isaac and Jacob and the and the redemptive plan of God he carried out and finally uh expressed ultimately in this this individual Jesus of Nazareth the Messiah who came and took upon himself the sins of the world and so on and so on Paul had dedicated his life to that message of redemption to this redemptive plan and helping men and women um Jew and Gentile man and woman young and old come into a relationship with the true and living God. That was his passion. Uh, that's what he had, and he suffered greatly for it in his own life and experience, but he had tremendous advent- adventures as well. Okay. okay. But here we have him now at the last year or years of his li- life, and we're getting to hear, okay, what was on his mind? This guy, was he, did he have regrets? Did he have fears? Uh, what was on his mind? And it's, it's a, I think it's a great opportunity to read uh, Timothy and Titus, these two pastoral books, and here, kind of the uh, the the last words of a very of a great man, of a great influential man of his era of his century. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, well, Jacob. actually, since you had mentioned something, mm-hmm. uh, I actually had a conversation with him this weekend. Paul? No, <laughs> no, somebody. All right. And uh, and so uh, <clears throat> it does appear. Uh, okay, we can all agree that Paul was a good guy, the laws were bad, but anyway, we get it or don't get it, Paul did go to jail at least three times. That means he's, yeah. a, he's a criminal. He is a criminal. True. That means even Jesus, while he was innocent, and even while the laws were bad, but in that culture... Well, technically, Jesus, too, was a criminal. I was going to say... Is that where you were headed? Under Roman law, Jesus is a convicted felon. Are you going to say that's a prerequisite for all of us who no, would be? <laughs> I am not. But I, I, it's such an interesting thought that, uh, and, and certainly in the Roman culture, under their law, uh, under the law, if I get any closer, I'm going to have problems. Okay. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, so what we have is, John, are they hearing me okay, you think? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. At any rate, um, here's, uh, so what we got is, I, I, even though he was innocent, even though the Roman law was wrong, bad laws, all that, under that culture, under the Roman laws, he was convicted of his crime. Paul was certainly put in jail at least three times for his crime. I often find it fascinating. If they were walking around on the street today, 
Peter, James, and John also went to jail okay. and prison. And, and a guy like you, I know you've got a good heart. You're a good man. I've been to jail, but it was only in prison ministry. I've, they let me out at the end of the day. So. Well, that's because they decided they didn't like what you're saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, no! But, uh, but anyway, what my point is, I always found it fascinating. If they were walking around the street, how many people would invite them to their house? Wow, you all of a sudden turned very serious on us there. What a question. Yeah, that's that's great. It, even though I do enjoy your brevity in the middle of my search comments, but I do enjoy it. <laughs> but my point levity. Is, levity, yes. And brevity, of yeah. course. But anyway, just a little levitation here. But uh, <laughs> my point is, is that I find that fascinating. Now, I'm not saying that guys walking around the street that's been in jail are holy men. I'm not saying that. But I am saying, I often... I was talking to somebody over the weekend. I said, you know, really, Jesus was a convicted felon. Paul was a convicted criminal. Now, we all understand who they were because of the story. Peter, James, and John also. I, I mean, okay. you might as well go That's all the way. And almost you know, all of them spent time, yeah. I have to say about Christians that I have Christians seem to have a great capacity for forgiveness. I'm talking about real Christians. You go and because I've been to different churches hmm. where somebody will stand up and or in bad things they did, and as long as they sort of confess it, admit it, and say the sorry and repent, etc., etc., I have noticed that most churches have great capacity for forgiveness. Haven't you noticed that? Well, yes, I have. And maybe that's a theme we could talk about tonight because, uh, frankly, it it also is uh, 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 you're right. I, I, w- wouldn't you say that God's people in general, the people who are genuinely in trup in touch with the true and living God in some way, wouldn't you say that almost that that's a characteristic of all uh, people who are genuinely in touch with uh, the true and living God? I, and I guess I am here referring to uh, the God of Scripture. Because the God of Scripture is a forgiving God. The God of Scripture is a God who redeems. He's a God of second chances and forgiveness. So maybe that would be uh, us reflecting uh, the character of the God that we serve and the God that we worship. Uh, maybe that would be maybe that would be a good thing. When we come back, I'm going to ask Jacob a little bit about that. And if if you find that a unique characteristic of kind of Christian folk. Or is that a characteristic that we share as well with sincere Jewish followers of uh, of, uh, of God, the God of Scripture? Maybe that's something that's more of a characteristic of God's people in general. We'll be right back. Don't go away. 340-9585. If you'd like to visit with us here on The Bible Live. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. 
Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Lux Rest Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work, we had got our oil done before. It could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't very expect nice. to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Get your daily devotional, podcasts of your favorite programs, station and community events, and featured articles on a number of issues Christians need to know about, all in one place. KSLR.com. That's KSLR.com. Why do you go on hiding when you know the world is waiting for you Try like the stars. And we are back thanking you for joining us here on The Bible Live. Sunday evenings, are we take a look at the book. That's our focus. We're not here to argue, in a sense, to argue religions, and that, although we, we have to do that. That's part of the uh, process here. But we're, we're really, the book is our, is our source. That is our plumb line, this, this old book that we call the Bible, 39 books of the Hebrew Scriptures, Genesis through Malachi, and 27 of the New Testament. And we have this consistent vision and understanding of God. We say that a lot, but of course, you know, there are very different visions of the the Christian world. We look at the Scriptures, we read the Bible, and it seems to reflect this idea of um, the Godhead, the idea of three distinct persons as part of the Godhead. We we kind of can't escape the idea of the triune nature of God. Three persons perfectly united in their love for each other and their character and their purpose and their action that we can call the, we rightly and correctly understand them to be one, the one, the Godhead, the one true and living God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. So we're not polytheists. Pardon me, Sophie, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me on the microphone? I, I just hear you On your earphones. Do that again. Can you hear me on your earphones? Oh, yeah. You know, that's a much stronger signal than anything I've seen so far. I bet we're going to hear from the listeners, and they're going to say, Yay, Jacob, we hear you just fine. And they're going to say, Oh, no, we hear Jacob. <laughs> uh, well, I, 
that if we have to, they have to. That did that did look a whole lot better on our scales here. So maybe we found the uh, solution. Maybe some of you can give us a call and let Jacob know if they're hearing him loud and clear. So Jacob, again, kind of get up to speed here and jump in with whatever. It is. I know you were going to talk about a few things there. Either from Timothy, you were talking about how we're all criminals and outlaws. Well, and, and you can't be a holy and spiritual man unless you spent time behind bars. That was your point, right? Uh huh. Yeah. So, be, yeah, you got to be. Closer I could to that. see that you were awake for several minutes during what I said. <laughs> I woke toward the very end there, and it, 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 I was intrigued. I really was. Uh, but, but you're right. Uh, it, I at times I have jokingly said it seems like a prerequisite for uh, spiritual maturity to have spent some time uh, in prison. Uh, almost everybody in the New Testament, and even the Old Testament. Uh, Almost everybody spent some time, at least. Well, close. now, my segue to this is, Okay, did you know, and what you call the Old Testament, the Tanakh, uh-huh. did you know there's only one instance where a person was put in jail, shall we say, but that's only overnight, and that's where the guy was picking up sticks. Remember as they're traveling? Oh, no, you're the... talking about in Israel, as part of Israel. Well, that's what I'm talking about, the Old Testament of the Tanakh. Are you forgetting Joseph? Uh, no, I'm not. But if you want to enjoy what I'm about to say, you will really like it. Okay. <laughs> if you look, even in the Christian scriptures, the New Testament, it's never, I find no reference where the good guys are putting people in jail. I find it's only the bad guys. So well, what my point is that I find nowhere that even, let's say, the Romans are the bad guys. And I find nowhere where the good guys are putting people in jail. I find the bad guys are always doing it. So prison, the idea of taking a bad person who had really, I mean, we're saying, when we say a bad person, let's, let's just talk about if we, a lawbreaker, someone who has broken the civil laws of the society. Uh, they have stolen, they have, you know, they have uh, injured someone, uh, wrongfully injured them or killed them and so on. So we're talking about someone who really has done something wrong. And you're saying, I guess you've said this before, that they are never put in prison. The idea of putting someone in jail is uh, is not an option. That's not, are you saying that's almost anti- well, would it say anti-Jewish or anti-biblical? No, you're disconnected again now. I don't know why. I think John is trying to get you fixed up. But um, oh, oh, okay, a longer cord. But the cord may have been the problem, John. That we have to consider that possibility. Uh, let's. Is he plugged in yet? No, nope. he will be. So anyway, we're talking about this idea that uh, th- that uh, is imprisonment is the idea of jail and imprisonment is that anti-biblical you've you've kind of hinted at this before uh well can you hear me now great john you did a good job okay we're back Let's okay see what john happened. did a good job and now he's moving the microphone i gotta chase it you get out from under the table and actually sit at the uh-huh. table and yes. speak, right okay here's my point and i've often wondered about this now i'm not saying that uh, we close prisons. And uh, you see, you gave examples where somebody hurt, and I said, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not saying that. I am saying that in different cultures, they have their own laws. 
we may or may not agree with those laws. True. We may think they're wrong laws. True. We don't think Christians should be punished in Iran for teaching Christianity, do we? No. No. So, uh, we don't. We think Jews and Christians ought to be able to walk walk out when it's raining in Saudi Arabia, don't we? Right. Yeah. And you know yes. they can't. It's okay. a law. Do you know why? No. Because the oils off the Jew or the Christian body will wash down into the holy soil of Saudi Arabia. Now, is that a good law? No. You and I'd say no. Now, but our dilemma is that is the law there. So okay. they obey those laws. Now, actually, Gandhi gave the most interesting answer I ever heard. And they asked him, if laws are so good, how come they hurt so many people? And Gandhi said, because there are good laws and bad laws. I think that's the answer. All right. Now, in the Bible, we have God's laws. Okay. When we do the laws of an, any nation, United States, Canada, wherever, we're doing a good thing because that is the law of the land. Notice what I said, law of the land. Yeah, the book of Romans 13 talks about the fact that, yeah. and here Paul is in, in a tyranny under uh, a, a godless yeah, Caesar yeah, and yeah. so on, and he's saying that we owe an obligation to obey the authorities of the state, uh-huh. the law. And, and you, you recognized where I quoted that from. And I assume that his uh-huh. his source is the Hebrew Scriptures, right? He's a Jewish. Paul is indeed a... Well, he's saying obey the law of the land. Right. He's not saying the law of God. My point is, oh yeah, in that book of Romans, what I'm right. saying yeah. is, he's saying, look, whatever land you live in, they have their laws. You got to obey the laws of that land. Now, here's the catch: when you do the laws of Canada, Great Britain, France, you know, U.S., you're doing a good thing because you're obeying the laws of that land. But when you obey the laws of God, you're not for like a Jew or somebody who does those laws. They are doing a mitzvah. Because it's from God. So you're doing the laws of God. That's the difference. It's not Which the laws of the land. Conflict, it, they could at times conflict with the laws of a given At, at times. At times they certainly could. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Is in, if we look at the laws of God, in what we call the Jewish scriptures, the Torah, the Tanakh, the mm-hmm. Old Testament, as you say, mm-hmm. we don't find incarceration being an, a viable option. We have something to very, very different. Now, is that on principle, or is it just that they hadn't developed the capability to build cages strong enough uh, to keep people? Well, I'm going to guess that God could have built such a cage. Well, yeah, God could have built but, uh, it. But it people. clearly says what God's laws are about this. talks about the murderer, the thief. It, it mm-hmm. covers all those crimes you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Now, let's switch over to the Christian scriptures, the New Testament. I cannot find, perhaps you can correct me, but I cannot find in any of those guys where the good guys are putting guys, the bad guys in prison. I find it's the violators, the anti-God, the Romans, whoever. The bad guys are always putting the good guys, Paul, Jesus, they're putting the good guys away. I find that remarkable. I find no example where that's the good guy saying, I'm going to put you in jail for six months. I wonder what the history of that is. Well, What is the history of incarceration? Well, I don't who know. Did, who was the first to start doing that instead of instead of killing this guy? Why don't we just put him in a place? And uh-huh. uh, Didn't they take Joseph and his, his brothers? They put him down in a pit? Was that a form of incarceration? Of no. Joseph? No, no. Or, or when Joseph went to Egypt, he was put into a prison, right? Uh, he was, by the Egyptians. By the Egyptians, yes. Now, 
Uh, I don't want to segue. It's a very important lesson to be gathered there, but I'll, perhaps we've got time. I'll come back to it, but I want to kind of finish my point. Sure. Um, the the point is, is that there is God's laws. Mm-hmm. Now, I've often wondered if this is supposed to be a Judeo-Christian culture. I want it to be. Well, let's say. you talking about. America, this, America, this America, sure. Okay. Well, I'm saying, what would happen if we actually did these for, let's say, a year or two? Is this just give it a shot? Nothing else has worked. But what is the laws for a murder? A murder, it's death. That's Good. the law. Mm-hmm. Now, a thief, he doesn't get his hand cut off like in Islam. He has to repay what he took. Plus, he has to give you back as much as he took. But if he's broke. He's pot in poverty, which a lot of thieves are. He has to work it off. He has to work it off. But you will find the law specified in Deuteronomy what must be done. And this is always a hardship. It puzzled me. It's hard to do. The victim, and if the victim doesn't need him, he can actually allocate it to somebody else. But he has to take the guy that robbed from him. He has to let him work it off for him unless he doesn't need him, and then he could give it to you, and mm-hmm. you could pay the guy's debt and let him work off for you. Mm-hmm. Now, that's it. By the way, that's, only, that's one of the two ways that you become a slave in Israel. God did not allow slavery. Anyway, so here's what happens. While he's working for you, you have to treat him like a human being. You can't harm his, it says you can't harm a tooth. You can't hurt an eye. Mm-hmm. So you can't abuse him, and you have to, t- but you have to teach him Look, That's the eye for an eye and tooth for tooth idea that you don't over-punish beyond the... Yeah, it has to be a balance. You, yeah. Is that what you were talking yeah, about? Yeah, well, you can't go beyond the balance. Okay. So, but while he's a thief, let's say he stole a thousand bucks from me. He hasn't got a thousand bucks. He can't pay back the thousand he took. He can't give you a second thousand. So he's got to work two thousand off a soapy dollar. So while he's working for you, you have to support him and you have to teach him Torah. You know what this sounds like? Uh, I don't community know. Community service. Great. Wonderful. But so I've you had people uh-huh. had to do that and they assigned Great. them to uh, our uh, ministry uh-huh. and they get to work off yeah. their time volunteering for the ministry. And while they do that, uh-huh. I'm talking to them in the office. I'm driving around with them. I'm investing uh-huh. in them. I'm trying to, uh-huh. and we try to help them. Okay. And, and, I, and I'm not disdaining that in any way, I'm just but I am saying that's, that's, that's saying. Soapy Dollar's choice. That's, well, it comes from the state as well. I mean, they are the ones who assign. I was them. going to say before I was so pleasantly interrupted. interrupted. Pleasantly, yes. Um, the that yes, it comes from the state, but they don't. Part of the order is that you do not have to teach them. Oh, that's, that's true. Yeah, that is. So what they're saying is they got to work. Okay, they got to work. Big deal. But the God, the law, the Bible says they have to work for you. And while they're working off, your obligation is to support them. Your obligation is to teach them Torah. And when they've worked off the 2,000, their quote-unquote slave ship is completed. And guess what? You know the answer. When they leave, what do you as the victim have to do? Try to help them get a job. Try to help them get started. Get get started in life again, yes. And do you know what it says after that? It says, your brother is restored to you. I want you to think about that phrase. There's no more penalties. After the penalty's paid, it's paid. Your brother, he's now your brother again. He's restored to you. So you're supposed to, the victim has to end up being the guy that helps the guy. I often find that is a hard, hard requirement. And like I say, if I couldn't afford to have the guy work for me, maybe he could go to work for you and you could pay his debt, whatever. But it works out, he's got to work. But the point is, that's God's laws. Now, we don't do that. 
and yet we claim we're a Judeo-Christian society. Well, we, and I, I know all the explanations, and if somebody wants to call and say, oh, no, we're doing different because we're doing it's the same thing. I'll listen to that. I will disagree. Mm-hmm. We're choosing to do something different that we have supplemented, and that's okay. That's our society and our culture's choice. But that is not God's laws. And there's nowhere where I see the good guys, Old or New Testament, getting stuck in jail by the good guys. It's only the good guys getting stuck there. Not that that always happens, but I can promise you this. In the Roman culture, they would have said Jesus was a felon. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And Paul and... Yeah. And, and we, would disagree. We, we would disagree, of course, but... That's. I've often wondered what would happen if we did that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've heard you wonder that, and there's made me wonder what if we did try to do things God's way. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I don't know. Of course, experientially, uh, my own, I don't know of a. a, a see, I've, I I've never lived. Uh, of course. We read the Bible, we read the Old Testament, the Jewish culture of that era, that time. Uh, even in their best times, when they were most faithful and they were most obedient to God's laws, in the times of times of spiritual revival in 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 Israel, when, you know, in the times of Josiah, in the times of Nehemiah, the times of these great spiritual awakenings that had. There were some. There were several times of revival in the history of Israel, uh, and I don't. I'm not close enough to it culturally to understand. Did we did we ever have we ever seen a culture really live out the commands that we see in the Old Testament? Uh, if there was one, I would say almost certainly would have to be Israel. Would have you know? Right? That's so interesting you say that because tonight you want to start the book of Isaiah. Isaiah yeah, and I'm going to suggest that we take a couple of looks at the a couple of introductory verses to Isaiah because it's going to answer the question you just said. Okay. And the answer is, I do not know of a society that has predominantly, consistently committed themselves to doing God's laws. Everybody, Israel, uh-huh. America, we all construct our own adaptations, our own understandings. We, we twink it to make, our, or make it fit our needs. We do do that. Israel did that. And that, for Israel, was a sin. And that is a perfect segue to the book of Isaiah, because I want to tell you, it makes it clear in Isaiah, nobody's responsible for all the bad things that happened to Israel except Israel. Israel sinned, and for that, they breached the covenant. For that, they had a penalty to pay, and they paid it, and they have paid it, and they paid it. And now they got, hopefully, now they got, finally got the idea and says, you know what? This hasn't worked out so well. We're going to change our method of doing things. We're not going to go after the gods. We're not going to listen to other religions. We're going to do what God says. Let's see if it works better, though. You say that's happening now? I would say that in a secular sense, it is. Are, are you talking about over there across, the, bay, across the ocean? I'm talking that about... That Israel, or are you just talking about Jewish people? Uh, no, I'm talking about everywhere. Jews have generally are do not accept... Generally, there's always people that stray, always people that convert, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, they have got the idea that, you know, this hasn't worked out so well historically. So even if I'm secular, I've got to have the idea of this God of the Bible, and these are God's laws, even if I'm a secular Jew. but And I don't even believe that in that God. But 
There's I, a great joke about this guy, father who's an atheist, and his son says, I don't believe in an old guy and this guy with a white beard, and I believe in I'm an atheist too. And his gra- dad grabs him, punches him in the shoulder, and says, Hey, the God I don't believe in and the God you don't believe in is not the God you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. Oh, well, they, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a fellow in Spain one time tell me something like that. I remember I was talking to him about the gospel, and I had been visiting with him. Uh, it actually was a neighbor, and so we had a friendship, a relationship. We'd say hi to you, and from time to time we'd have lunch, and I'd talk to him about the Lord, and, and we'd, you know, we became friends, and he, and finally one day he said, you know, Sophie, uh, he, of course, as you know, um, Spain is, and I don't mean this, folks, this is not a religious cutter either, but it's predominantly uh, Roman Catholic, and but a great number of the people, I mean, only about 10%, 8 to 10%, of uh, Spanish people are in any way active in uh, the Catholic faith, although they this claim that ninety three percent or so are are actually uh, Catholic, and of course they were baptized Catholic and so on, whatever. But this fellow said, you know, Sophie, he, he said, I've already rejected the 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 true God, so how can you possibly expect me to be interested in in your <laughs> in your idea of it? Of this different vision and understanding of God, and I've always thought that was one of the most interesting. Comments. I've already rejected the true God, so how could I possibly be interested in your false God? All right, <laughs> it's interesting. Anyway, um, it's kind of along the lines yeah, of your comments. Sure. Was, was so you're saying? Uh, uh, was early America anything like? Uh, you did know, we have prison. Our, we didn't have. I don't know what percentage of our population is in uh, prison today. A uh, pretty high percentage, but. Uh, Prisons weren't that full and all. Was early America a little bit better picture of that sort of thing? Of well, I know back with the, with the first immigrants, they had stocks and bonds, and that turned into Wall Street. Now we have stocks and bonds of a different nature. Oh, I thought they put them in stock. Oh, yeah. Stocks and bonds. Stocks yes, uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Work with me, Soapy. I'm Work trying. with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when you looked under a hood way back when, you found a monk. Now you find a motor under a hood. Under a hood. Okay. So. Quickly moving on. Anyway, but the point is, is that what we've got in the book of Isaiah, he's known. I just got you, Chuck. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, now I'm with you. All right. So say it a little louder and everybody here that you just got it. <laughs> um, okay. So what you've got is, is the sins that Isaiah is talking about are, are not somebody else's sins that did to Israel. Israel chose to do them. They broke the covenant. Now, in the Jewish world, Isaiah is known as the prophet of consolation, which means he's telling him, okay, you got some bad things coming because you guys broke the covenant. Nobody did it. You did it. Now, after the punishment, we'll call it punishment, is over, don't worry. God stands by his promise, and you will come back. The land of Israel is by God. And we talked about last week that God made promises to Abraham. And remember the line about and the laws given to Mount Sinai didn't know those promises. Mm-hmm. Well, if God made those promises and we're reading it in the New Testament, then I think the promises are still in vogue, which means the land of Israel for the Jews. This little tiny postage stamp, a piece of land, no bigger than the country of New, or state of New Jersey. And without that, there is no place in the world for Jews. That's remarkable. And that little tiny thing. Well, New Jersey, you've always got Well, yeah, I understand. But you know that 0.002% of the Middle East is Israel. That's all. Well, Texas is a good place. I mean, you're here in Texas. Yes. But in when push comes to shove, had there been a, a nation of Israel, it, there would have been no Holocaust. That's the truth. 
But there's always the punishment, and of course we can get in a bunch of theology about it. But the truth is, Isaiah tells us, and look at, I want to just tell you, the first verse in Isaiah says, this is the vision of Isaiah, son of Amos. And it's a vision. Now this vision, this portion right here, is read in every synagogue, every temple, the Sabbath before next Sabbath. Next Sabbath is... Yesterday. Yesterday. Okay. Now, the reason for that is, is... So that passage was read around the world. Every Jew, uh, you may not know this, but every Jew reads the same portion of the Bible uh, everywhere in the world, every Sabbath. So everybody's on the same page. Yeah, and you told us that there was usually two portions. One is the prophet, the prophet, and well, the other portion Well, you read the Torah, and then you read something from the prophets. The, the yeah. thing from the prophet will be, it's called, in Hebrew, it's called the Hop Torah. And what that means is that's kind of an example, uh, a, a physical example, a case law. A of study. the principle that is brought out in that the Torah. Is in the, that's right. That's in the Torah. So you're going to get this lesson, this law in the Torah, and then you're going to get an example. Now, sometimes you read it and they do it and things go really good. Sometimes they don't do it and things don't go so good. So you're getting the law and an example. So these passages are read in the synagogue. Uh-huh. Yes. Do you all ever broadcast these passages? On the radio? Well, they read them out loud. They don't read them silently. I know, but on the radio. I'm talking oh, on the radio. Not that I know of. That would be a great Bible. Li- you ought to do that. And call well, it I, think, I think you should do that. At any rate, but it's chapter 1, right. verse 1 through 27. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah is known as a prophet of consolation because he starts writing about, look, this is going to happen, but you're going to come back. In fact, you know until chapter 39 and 40, and that's only basically the only places, he doesn't even mention the exile. He rarely, rarely mentions it, just in those chapters. But And that's during a conversation. Wasn't the exile still future? In the yeah, but these are prophecies. Remember, this is oh, a vision. Oh, okay. predicting. Yeah, predicting. So, and, but then he says, now let me predict further. And then he tells all these bad things that's going to happen to all these other guys. Mm-hmm. And he says, but don't worry. You're coming back. Mm-hmm. You're coming back. So what you got here, and let me just read something from you. Okay. In chapter 1 of Isaiah, so it starts off with a vision. But verse 2, listen to this. Sometimes we don't stop to see what it says. We just read and see how fast we can get through the verse. Sure. Because we think, oh, if I read it fast, I've understood. <laughs> the faster I read it, the more I got. Anyway, but listen to this. It says, hear, O heavens, and listen, O earth. Verse 2. Where are those lines originally from? Hear, O heavens. Uh-huh. I don't know. Well, I'm going to tell you that they Moses they Moses says him in Deuteronomy. Okay. Now, so he's actually saying this, but listen to what he says, heavens and earth. Earth is temporary. Heavens is eternal, permanent, you might say. So he's giving something that transcends both temporary and permanent. And he says, God has spoken. I have reared and raised children. He's talking about Israel, of course. But they have rebelled against me. An ox recognizes its owner, a donkey its master's trout. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Now look at verse 4. This is the key. Woe, you sinful nation. You weigh your way down in sin. Brood of evildoers, corrupt children. Now when you read that, you think it's just complaining. It's not. Weighed down in sin is unintentional. Evildoers, corrupt, that's intentional. He's telling them that you're... You haven't studied. You don't even know. You're negligent. You've done things unintentionally, and you've done things intentionally. So 
He is, and then he says in 5, Why do you keep wanting further beatings and continue to rebel? Every head is heavy and every heart is faint. He's saying, look, you've already got the lessons. You keep doing this and bad stuff happens. Why do you keep doing it? So it's fascinating. You're and, battered from head to toe, covered yeah. with bruises, welts, yeah. and infected wounds. Yeah. Without any soothing ointments or bandages, your country lies in ruins. Your towns are burned. Foreigners plunder your fields before your eyes. Destroy everything they see. Right. Beautiful yeah. Jerusalem stands abandoned like yeah. a watchman's shelter in a vineyard, uh, like a lean-to in a cucumber field after the harvest, like a helpless city under siege, and right. so on and so on. So what uh, you've got is he's telling him, look, nobody did this to you. You did it to yourself. So Israel can't blame other people for its sins that it did to itself. It had its choice. And it chose to do it. Now, was it susceptible to taking on other gods, other positions, other politics? Yes. In this little tiny piece of land, God said, you know what? And this little tiny piece of land, we're going to do just my laws. And if you don't, it'll be sent here. Wow. I've forgotten how beautiful the first chapter of Isaiah is. That's why I like to read this stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and you'd like to know, in chapter 2 of Isaiah... This is something that, as far as I know, Christians don't grab a hold of a lot. But chapter 2 is a true messianic prophecy. All right. And we'll, you ought to we'll, love we'll that look one. at it. When we come back from this uh, final break for the, re- the broadcast, this is the Bible Live. You can give us a call or participate if you'd like, 340-9585. Don't go away now. We'll be here in, back in just a couple of minutes. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. are back. Thank you. I'm trying to get the right Soapy, buttons here. I was on and then you move the button. I'm totally off. You are no, you're now on. Am I on? Yes, you are on. Yes. Okay. Soapy, I'm on. <laughs> oh. Well, I just found out the right button to push over here. We've uh, changed things around and got you on. But now, let's come back to where we are. We've got one segment left. Uh, if you'd like to join us in, in uh, this, we're, we're contemplating these these two readings in our reading schedule, as we make our way through the Bible every year, uh, we read this past week the last part of First uh, Timothy and all the book of Second Timothy. These two short letters that Paul wrote to his young uh, protege, Timothy, who was the pastor of the church in Ephesus. God, uh, uh, or Paul, left him there as the head of that congregation, a great congregation of that era, that time. Uh, the Apostle John was also. Uh, one of the pastors of the Church of Ephesus. It was a, uh, uh, you can read about Paul when he went to Ephesus. Remember the riot that was caused there uh, with the temple to Diana was there in that city uh, or Aphrodite, I think it's the same, I think that's the same uh, person, personage. Uh, But there was a riot and there was a great upheaval, but the church came out of that, a vibrant, healthy congregation of followers of Messiah Jesus. And so, um, Timothy is, is helping give leadership to that congregation. He's a young leader, uh, a, a spiritual leader for the, the growing congregation of believers there in Ephesus. Uh, Titus is another young believer. I think his, he, his congregation was on one of the islands, maybe Malta. I'm, not, I'm, I'm trying to remember where it was. But, so Paul writes it. And interestingly, uh, at least to our conversation as we started it, Paul is writing this letter from jail, from prison. 
And that and that triggered a conversation here with Jacob. We're talking about this idea of following the Torah, following the law, and in jail and imprisonment was not part of the the laws of God. Now I was going to I was curious. I was going to ask you about this. Maybe you can answer about were not the cities of refuge in some way a little bit of an idea of imprisonment? They weren't kept maybe in a particular house or home. I mean, they lived somewhere, I suppose, in that city of refuge. Uh, was that in any way, shape, or form? Uh, Why don't you give the, folks, give, give the folks a sentence on what a city of refuge is? It seems to me like whatever the, when they were first allotting the land to the different tribes of Israel, after the time of Joshua, that they uh, they gave different parts of the promised land to the different tribes for them to 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 work the fields and so on, so on, and, and, and so on. And they established, I believe there were six, maybe there are eight, but these cities of refuge that were part of the the legal or, or the legal system is that when a person was accused of a crime, theft or murder or, you know, killing someone, <clears throat> they, they could run instead of, I guess, the typical means of uh, punishment in that era, in that time, the common means was uh, a, 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 was vengeance. There was a, Someone from the family that was uh, offended or, or, or hurt, uh, the victims of the crime, they went and took made, took vengeance on the one who had hurt them and their family, if, if I, I'm guessing. Well, you can let's, yeah, let's, so they replaced uh, that with the idea that you, you uh-huh. can go to the city of refuge, and there you can be safe while your case is being heard by the, the Levites, <clears throat> and, and then you could uh, be released. You know, there was a... There was a period of time. Was that not a form? That's in that's pretty. Of, that's of pretty. Prison? That's pretty close. What it is? First of all, it would not have been a crime. It would have been an accident. Okay. And so let's say, in fact, there's a great illustration. Or what they claim was an accident. Well, right. we'll have a trial. We'll decide. Uh-huh. If there's a great story about an axe that flies off a wooden handle, it flies off and kills somebody. I didn't mean to kill you, but the family may want revenge. Uh-huh. So. I can take my family, and I can have my own home, and I can live in that city of refuge. Now, the difference is, in the same example that's given in Jewish law, is if I take the axe and I hit you intentionally, I don't get the city of refuge. Okay. That's murder. Okay. Now, when you go to the city of refuge, how long do you have? It's meant, look, first of all, I want to tell you, it's meant to protect the innocent but negligent person that did damage from the passions of a revengeful family. Okay. So. When? How long do I stay there? Until the high priest you got it. When you committed your crime. Until sure. he is replaced uh, with the new high priest. Well, until he dies. Yeah. Okay. So if it's if he dies in two weeks, well, if he dies in two weeks, you're free, huh? You got lucky, and then nobody can touch you. But if it takes ten years, well, he didn't get so lucky. But anyway, so it's a time. But it's based not that upon. A little. <laughs> it's not based upon the time of the guy that's impassioned with revenge or hate, even if it was negligence, it's based upon the high priest's life. That's fascinating. Uh-huh. So that's what that was all about. That was Is really, that because the high priest, the priest, the Levites were, in a sense, the judges, were they not? Uh, they, they, would, they would have a trial, and if it was determined that the axe handle flew off accidentally, you may have to pay damages and restitution because maybe uh-huh. you didn't maintain the axe handle properly. But if somebody's so angry they can't control themselves, you go there 
And if that person goes there to get you, then that person is the intentional criminal, see? I see. So, they, sure, that system was set up, which is a reasonable system. But you got to have a well, life, a your family. Reasonable. Well, Attaching it to the life of the high priest, I don't see the reason of that. Well, but... you attach it to the life of Jesus. Where did you think you got that model from? <laughs> you know my soft spot. Yeah, well, I'm never... saying that's where you I got this model from. I had never thought that Jesus is, that the, the Levites in that sense were a type of. Yeah, well, where do you think you got these lessons from? Now? Okay, I do know, but I didn't. Not that particular lesson. I had not seen it. That's good. That's good. Okay. Okay. I'll well, explore that. Yeah, that's fine. I'll leave it in your capable hands. <laughs> um, anyway, so, but I want to tell just a brief little thing about. Okay, so let's jump from Timothy, Paul, and yeah, John. Yeah, let's, let's just, jump now to Isaiah. Yeah, let's jump backwards. And to, to yeah. what he's saying about uh, the people of Israel. And, and you're saying it was a book of consolation. Yes. We, we generally think that the first 39 chapters are chapters of, of condemnation and judgment. Uh, Isaiah's announcing judgment. On the nation, I, he's pronouncing. No, wait, 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 wait! Not against Israel. No, actually, it's against uh, their all these nation, other nations around yes, Israel. Uh-huh, that's right. But then he also points. Well, some of Israel. Chapter thirty-nine. Yeah, chapter thirty-nine. But then chapter forty, the whole tone changes from accusatory and uh, condem- condemnation yeah. and judgment. It changes to comfort ye, comfort ye, and and that's starts right. talking about being. Uh, re- re- recuperating and being yeah. restored. It is. And it's a story of restoration and promises of restoration. <laughs> and and most of the people that are getting bad things said about them is the other nations. Israel gets a very That's slight true. reference because they're getting the punishment what they got they earned. Now, here's what's going on. This is really the Assyrians that are coming. And their king was a guy named, uh, I believe you had pronounced it, Sennacherib. Sennacherib, and they were talking about Nineveh up in the north. Exactly. Nineveh city. is his hometown. Sennacherib, he captured. What they, they were very warlike people. They captured yeah. different countries. Brutal. They brutal. were brutal. Yeah. You know, they would skin human beings and put their skins on the outside of their walls. Mm-hmm. That is pretty tough. Oh, and they would take people hostage, and they would tie dead bodies on their back. And, have, and have as they served. rotted, you would rot too. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And the Romans adopted that too. Paul refers to that in yes, Romans. He, he says, oh... Oh, what was me? Uh, who would remove me from the, this sin? He likens that dead body to our old sinful nature. Yeah. yeah. Who will take that away from me? That in, sure. So what the so, so, Sennacherib would, uh-huh. they would basically, the, pretty much the whole book of Isaiah has to deal with the conquering of the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now that's Israel. Anyway, mm-hmm. so what he does is, and he was really good at, he, had, he developed a technique that was later followed. And it was so clever. He would actually, after he conquered different peoples, he would actually, people will fight for their own land. They won't fight for an apartment. So he would actually transfer, after he captured them, he would transfer different peoples to different lands. Mm-hmm. So when he captured the northern tribes in Israel, he transferred them to an area that we call Samaria. And he took the so-called Samarians, and he transferred them to northern Israel. You can read about this in the Book of Kings. Mm-hmm. And when That's where we got the game of uh, musical chairs, right? We is it? You you keep moving around until we, the music stops, and that's your. Uh, you got to sit down. I, I want a cake one time. Okay. Um, the anyway, uh, that, that was so. Uh, but so what happened? So he had transferred because he knew that people would fight for their home, their property, what what's theirs, but they're not necessarily dying for something they don't own. And actually, when America first after World War II, you might find this interesting. 
The reason they started part of the GI Bill to buy homes is because they knew that people had a little piece of land and a home that was theirs. There was part of something they belonged mm-hmm. to. And as we become more and more apartment mm-hmm. dwellers in this country, we did get disconnected from owning a piece of the land. So it's really going on here, too. At any rate, um, but, so he would transfer them. So he moved all, they made the Sumerians come over to northern Israel. He made the northern tribes go over, and they were dispersed. And the Messiah, part of his duties, the Messiah's duties, Calling them back is to bring the, the ten missing, so-called missing, ten tribes back. Now, <clears throat> so, and this is where the popular misunderstanding comes, that uh, that the Jews didn't like the Sumerians because they were half-breeds. Yeah. Absolutely not true. They were idol worshipers. And that was the issue. So I know I've heard this so many times, but that's not what it's about. It's because they were coming into Israel. They were not there originally. They were put there by the Assyrians, Sennacherib, and and they were actually building their own pagan temples. And remember, in the Book of Kings, they were having so much trouble with the animals. They went back and said, "Hey, we got trouble. All these animals are killing all the wild us. animals. Were wild animals over the land." Yeah. So they came. So Sennacherib, he came up with the idea. He said, "Well, you know, there is a God of Israel, and He's the God of that piece of land." So we're going to get some Levites, some real Levites of the Jews, and take them back, and they'll calm all that God down and those animals. They'll take care of that business. But, but so that is the situation and the tension that develops when we later read in the New Testament between the woman at the well and Jesus. Mm-hmm. And because she says, actually, I know it translates sometimes, oh, we don't have any doings with Jews. That's not what it says. Mm-hmm. He asked for a drink of water. In the Greek it says, you don't use our, we don't use your cups. Because mm-hmm. they're not kosher. I don't know why somebody changed that we don't have any doings. That sounds mm-hmm. a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, well, we have the also the parable of the good Samaritan. Uh-huh. The hero of the story sure. is this Samaritan, and yes. that everyone thinks well, Jesus is really teaching an important lesson there because yes. he's using making the hero yes. of the story sure. these mm, these right. despised Samaritans. You know that yes, he is, and it's an important lesson because a bad guy can be a good guy. Mm-hmm. And but the other part of the story that people don't talk about is he points out that a Levite passes, perhaps a rabbi, a priest. Now, but what's the point? You see, the Jew is required to do it, and they were sinning. May I use the word sinning? Because mm-hmm. the law is they must help. They don't have a choice. If they must, and yet they didn't. So the guy that was not required did. So his point is two points: mm-hmm. is that the guys who are supposed to do it were not doing it, so they were committing a sin. That was a very interesting story. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, go, but going back, so you got this going on, and they're really, really, it's a very clever plan, because if I captured everybody in San Antonio and moved them to Austin, everybody in Austin moved them to San Antonio, the people of Austin people living here, they're not going to be committed to this land. They're not going to want to rebel. They want to try to get home. You know what I was thinking about a little bit about? I don't know if I'm. it's the same thing, <clears throat> but you, you do understand that... Uh, Texas is being invaded. Have you ever noticed the numbers of Oklahoma, Florida, mm-hmm. Michigan, yes. New Jersey, New York, yes. Washington State, all these license Mexico. plates? Mexico. Let's say Mexico. Mexico. All of these license plates yes. of these foreign yes. countries yes. <laughs> appearing here in our Texas and roads. And driving is becoming horrible. <laughs> and it's my theory is because of all those people you're talking about, those Yankees, 
coming down here with bringing their driving style and, I think, rude manners, and the Mexicans coming here with their driving style, and they all converge here in San Antonio, and you got all this rudeness going on. Nobody lets anybody in. It's now you're going down the road, and if there's two feet in front of you, somebody's honking, saying, hey, let's close it up. Let's close it up. <laughs> Get in there. Yeah, well, but, I, I've always, I, I actually stopped one day uh, by this lady that had, was driving, driving, this was a year ago or more ago, but I I was kind of curious about all these people moving from all these Yankees moving down the south. You know, here and I are they bringing uh, uh, that liberalism and all that you know that socialism and everything from the north? And all? so I pulled up to this lady and I, I just I said, "Hey, welcome to Texas." And she said, "Well, thank you very much." I said, "How long have you been down?" She said, "About six months." And I said, "Well, welcome. We're glad you're here." I said, "You're not." And then I said, "You're not bringing down that that liberalism from from the north, are you?" And she says, oh, no, you're kidding. That's what we're trying to get away from. And so actually I was really uh, kind of gratified to hear that, that it wasn't, they're not all coming down here to yeah. turn the state blue or whatever it is. Sure. They're, they're gonna, uh, but, but, but I suppose I, I, but I have noticed, happen, right? I've noticed with all the influx of the northerners coming down, you might say, and the Mexicans coming up, they all seem to converge here, and they all bring their own driving style. Yeah. And the, the thing about driving friendly in Texas, yeah. it's just gone. <laughs> They've done away with that saying. Yeah. Anyway, okay. I want to tell you something about uh, Chapter Two of Isaiah. Now, all of this came out of the uh, the immigration policies of Sennacherib and the 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 uh, the, the, the the Syrian Empire and Obama. There, Obama, they were doing, of course, yeah, yeah. of course, Obama as well. Uh, okay, so, now here we go. And I hear in Chapter Two, there's something very interesting, and I don't hear this talked much about in as prophecy, mm -hmm. but it's totally accepted. And if you read it, if I may, okay, Chapter Two, Isaiah. The word of Isaiah, son of Amos, prophesied or had, said about Judah and Jerusalem. Now listen to this. Two. In most ways, they'll translate it. And I was looking in the English here, and they translated uh, in the last days. I think a better way of translating it is in the days to come. But look at verse two. In the Chapter days to two, come. Okay. Uh -huh. uh, I don't know what yours, whatever yours says. Why don't you tell us? In the last days. There you go, last days. The mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the uh -huh. most important place on earth. It, keep going. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. Ah, you see, the Jews never ex expelled anybody and never excluded. It was always expected that however it happens, whether it happens just by giving the Torah, whether it happens by, let's say, Jesus. The idea of the word the, in the Messianic age this is what it's referring to, is the mount of God's temple will stand above all mountains and even exalted over the hills, and all the nations will come to it. And the people will say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of God, to the temple of God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways. And we will walk in his path. Okay, now I want to pause because I am going to share something with you that's going to make you gasp for air. Well, there is, if you read on, there's that famous passage, the Lord will mediate between nations, will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war. Ain't going to ain't going to practice. Ain't going to yeah. do war. I'm not going to. I'm going to. The deacon came up from the basement. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, but now I want to show you something. In Jewish thought, the Messiah can do miracles. 
Okay? Mm, okay. And we know we have examples of, mm-hmm. in the New Testament, mm-hmm. of Jesus doing these miracles. Mm-hmm. However, miracles are not proof. Jesus in Matthew twenty four twenty four says, don't believe miracles. He says that. They're not miracles. They're evidence. I mean, they're call not them, proof. Call them what you will. They're evidence, but... But but he himself says, don't believe in yeah. miracles. But what do the Jews, what did the Jews always expect the Messiah to do? The reason I'm stopping here is that... Restore the land. Right? Well, that's one of the things, but there's something else. And it's actually one of the places is the woman at the well. Uh-huh. What does she say? He says, don't you know that the, Jesus is talking? When Messiah comes, he will teach us. Oh, what? When Messiah comes. Teach us. He will teach us. Now, the concept in Judaism is the Messiah knows and teaches perfectly and explains everything in the Torah. And that's what she says. She knew the rule. Mm -hmm. If you go to John, and I think it's like 1431, Mm -hmm. his disciples say to him, we don't have to ask you any more questions because you know everything. So, and that's what these, now see, that kind of gets lost, I think, in the Christian world, that the idea of the Messiah is to teach the Torah, and he will explain it all to us, and somehow, We'll all recognize the truth of God, and Messiah will take teach us. Mm-hmm. Now, when you go back and read this right here in Isaiah, many people will come and say, let us go up to the mountain of God, temple of God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways. You see, the Jews have always had the concept, the Messiah teaches Torah. So, that's fascinating. When I go down through the Gospels, I've recently become very sensitive to identifying those particular lines in the four Gospels. And I've noticed they're there. And I think, holy mackerel, it's right there. It's always been there. But if we concentrate on the visible, the miraculous, the miracles, the signs, whatever. And that's why I think it says, hey, some people want signs, some people want miracles. That's not the proof of Messiahship. Even, hold on, Sophie, hold on. Even resurrection from the dead is not proof of Messiahship. Mm -hmm. What resurrection from the dead is, is proof of? Life after death. Okay. So the concept, if you get, if you start. But uh-huh. the Messiah did have to rise from the dead. Okay. <laughs> I've got no problem with that. It's a miracle. Like I was saying, it's not proof. That's why right. I said it's evidence. Okay. Because okay. the Messiah says his Fine. body would not corrupt in the right. grave, right? That's right. I have no issue oh, with okay. that. All right. But I am saying is, I think we have to go by ancient Jewish understanding. I think we actually have to go by what Yeshua, Jesus is saying sure. in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And it all fits perfectly. Now, the, the Jews never thought the, the guy could not do miracles. He could do miracles. But in the last analysis, rising from the dead, it's a miracle. No. Right? Well, in fact, he was even expected according to certain prophecies. Okay, let's say the he's expected. Let's go that far. Let's he say he's expected. The lane would walk. Sure. Right. It all that business. But, those, but they weren't proof, like you're saying. They're not proof. That's not the proof of Messiahship. Never has been. And even in the Gospels, I would be willing to politely debate. That is not the standard of proof. Okay. But I will say this to make you happy. Are you happy? I you, am. You're going to be very happy. And all of our Christian listeners will be very happy. Okay. As you know, I sat down at Butcher Block Paper, and I worked with some and we went through everything that was said in the four Gospels. Mm-hmm. The thing that came shocking to me is, is I, all my life I heard, you know, basically from the Christian world, that Jesus was freeing us from the law, et cetera, et cetera, the law didn't count, that kind of thing. I looked up in the Gospels, and I coordinated with somebody, or a rabbi mm-hmm. on, in Israel, and we looked up, 
And we and I still have the butcher block paper. It took mm-hmm. six months to do this. And so I have I discovered something that what I had been told all my life from basically the Christian world that Jesus was doing away with the law, freeing us from the mm-hmm. law, was exactly wrong. We looked up everything in the Gospels, the Pharisees, Sadducees, whatever said. And did you know something? Every one of them that's in the Gospels, each and every one is wrong. Not one of them is or ever has been Jewish law. And I was in shock. And I said, wait a minute, that's not what I've been told all my life <laughs> from the, you know, the Christian world. So then we got the bright idea, let's check on our guy Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, everything he said, over 72% are direct quotes from Deuteronomy, and the others I can locate in the Talmud. Mm-hmm. So I have come to the absolute radical conclusion it's exactly opposite. He was that's doing... What he, he was what, teaching Torah. He was teaching Torah, and I'm thinking, that's the conflict. Because mm-hmm. what these the other guys are doing, right or wrong, I, do, I wasn't there. If they're getting it wrong or somebody wrote it down wrong, I don't know. But I know this, that what's written there is is and never has been Jewish law. And so I came to the conclusion that what's going on here is Jesus is teaching Torah. And that's the conflict. And I said, holy mackerel, if you'll pardon that mm-hmm, term. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's a fish A term. mackerel is a fish, right? It okay. is a fish. You know, so no, no offense, no. But, um, but so I'm just saying that I came to a shocking conclusion. I'm pretty well committed to that at this point. Yeah, it is. I, I, you've told me that before, and and it really has given me a new perspective and a new understanding to look into the life and ministry of Jesus. It, it's reminded me of the fact that he was a Jew. He was a Jew. He came out, and this is part of what this wonderful discovery that that we are grafted as as followers of Jesus, the Messiah. We we truly are have become a part of Israel. We we are not something totally brand new and different. We're uh, Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He just came to expand the, the kingdom of God. And, well, the, and before we run out of time, and, and the, take a look at those Israel verses. Yeah, look at those verses that you says in the last days. Uh-huh. I think a better translation is in the days to come, but that's okay. But it says, look, it's a messiah, and the Jews consider this a messianic prophecy. Mm-hmm. It says they'll go to the temple of the mountain of God. And all nations will come, and the people will come and say, let us go up to the mountain of God. Look what it says, to the temple of God. Now, is there a temple? Mm, no, there's not a temple. There's there. not a temple. Well, My point being, not. No, huh? What's that? there's not. There's, there's not. not. I know in the Christian world, your body, and even in the Jewish world, your body is considered temple, a temple. Uh, Holy Spirit, yeah. And remember your table is your altar, mm-hmm. and you say a prayer before everything you eat. And everything you eat was once alive. It died so you could live. So you're offering things to the temple, you. Okay, so enough of that. Anyway, but the point is, it says to the temple. That means a third temple. Uh Uh-huh. Well. Okay, and I'd like to say this. You better hurry. Be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. We'll see you next Sunday evening, folks, here on The Bible Live. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. 
Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.